You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. It's bottom of the hour. We'll turn our attention away from the Jets. Oh, thank God. Whoo, Larry. Frank Isola will join us. We'll talk some hoops. Yeah. We oh. might just have to, like, introduce Frank and just let him go for a couple of minutes just so we can kind of catch our breaths and yeah, just kind of yeah. change the focus a little bit. And he can do that. And you know what's interesting <laughs> about the Jets this week is you mm-hmm. get a you get a an image of the alternate universe of what the Jets should have looked like, right? Yeah, the Texans true. bring in the defensive mind from San Francisco to mm-hmm. be the head coach. They draft the quarterback at number two and – and they were a lapping stock for a little while there with the whole Deshaun Watson. And immediately they have turned things around and they're an yeah. up-and-coming team and they they're very well could make the playoffs this year. Yeah, it's true. They got everything right. The Jets got everything wrong. It's a sad situation. All right, Gordon, let's unpack what Vinny had to say. First of all, Vinny, uh, Hackett's not going anywhere because Aaron Rodgers is not going anywhere. And if you get rid of Rodgers, that means you wasted all your draft picks. You, you've, given, you've, given, you've got nothing out of this deal. I will say this for Joe Douglas, and we've been very critical of him. Could you imagine if he had caved and gave up the first-round pick? Mm. Remember, He'd be right? He'd be I, I mean, he might have to be out. I mean, could you imagine if they had given up the first round pick to get Rodgers and then he gets hurt and all the other things remain the same? Oh, oh, my. And I love when people call up and like, why is nobody talking about the offensive court? Are you under the impression we have not mentioned the offensive coordinator? Exactly. <laughs> we have mentioned Hackett's Everybody. name. We could sponsor a segment with, with the amount of times. I mean... We're lucky. You're lucky. We don't. We we're not mentioning the position coaches, like the offensive line coaches and we stuff me, like we that. Mentioned, we mentioned. We mentioned everybody. We mentioned the head. Why is nobody talking about? We're talking about. We're talking about all of it. We are. And we opened the show by saying, if you're upset about the Jets, whoever you want to blame, you can. They're all in the same pot. They are, and they all got accountability issues. They all do. They all do. Back to the phones we go. Let's talk to Subi in Midtown. What's up, Subi? Hey, guys. I was thinking about realistic expectations for next year, and there are around five offensive tackles in the draft next year, so we're going to pick one of those guys up. Now, what the realistic expectations for the Jets would be would be just the playoffs. So that's the problem is that the expectations were Super Bowl or bust, and that's not a realistic expectation. Also, I wanted to close out by saying good teams don't have an exuberant amount of penalties and fumbles and turnovers, and that's all we've been seeing this year in bad weather, fumbles, and that's what you don't see in good teams doing. So is that on the coach or is that on the players directly? That's all i got to say. Subi, I think it's on both. Uh, I think it's on the players too, but it's on the coaches to make sure that they understand that there's a penalty to pay for penalties and they haven't done that part. And the players are still doing it. Although I will say to you, Gordon, it's interesting that I saw a stat where I think it was on last night, Sunday Night Football, where Kansas City's offensive line has 32 penalties. And that's like among the leaders in the National mm-hmm. Football League. But right. because they have a really good quarterback that overcomes those, you don't notice it. You don't know. A good quarterback yeah. hides a bunch of things. He does. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty good. Um yeah, and in terms of next year, this idea that there's not going to – no, I think there's even more pressure on the Jets next year because of it, it's year six, if, Robert Sal, if, uh, if Robert Sal is back, it's going to be more pressure on him. If Joe Douglas, it's year six for Joe Douglas. You're going to have another top five, top six pick. Mm-hmm. And, and this is now going to be year two of Rodgers. 
and you have no guarantees that you will get it. You will get year three of Rodgers. And if, right. if Rodgers leaves, well, there's maybe that's some good news in that you, you can now turn the page and you don't have him as the shadow GM, but you have, you're back at square one in terms of a quarterback. Yeah. This was your big move to fix it. Yeah. And the same guy may have to pick another one. That's not good. No, you can't. You can't have him pick another one. If they're picking high up next year, there's no. They're, they're, well, he won't. I be don't picking even know them. if he's going to survive this. He won't be picking them if they they pick high up next year. It won't be him. They I love the people that call up and say, "Well, they got to take a quarterback. Who cares about Roger? You want a, You want the guy who gave you Zach Wilson to pick another one? Yeah. Like if you have a friend and he tells you about a movie and it's a stinker, are you going to take his advice on the next movie? Not likely. No, you just say, I'll put that one on the list, and then you never watch it. Oh, yeah, I meant to, I meant to see. And oh, the other thing is, you want this staff yeah. to be developing that quarterback? No, don't think so. I don't think so either. Steve's in Long Island. What's up, Steve? Steve. Steve. Well, Steve. Uh-oh. Steve's, Steve's, Steve's busy. Yeah. All right, Steve. Enjoy yourself. He's moving some stuff around. Uh, he, <laughs> uh, He's got to be productive. He watched the Jets yesterday. He doesn't know what to do. He's got to pick up all the things he threw at the TV. A number of things went through my mind. What Steve yeah. could be moving. I don't want to go there. <laughs> Mike's in Jersey. What's up, Mike? <laughs> hey, guys. How are you doing this evening? Mike. I just, I just wanted to ask one question, and the question is this. How many combinations of offensive line have the Jets played this year? Eleven, I think it's it's either at least ten or eleven. I saw ten or eleven O linemen and three quarterbacks, maybe four. You know, if you think about the offensive line, how bad it's in. You know, I'm not a fan of Zach, but I don't think he's gotten a shot where he's had a decent line in front of him, where he could actually have a little bit of time. To look downfield and say, okay, can I throw to this guy? Can I throw to that guy? I'm, All right, so Mike, I'm let me ask you a question. Fan, but I've been watching I hear you, but games. Mike, let me, let, let me help you out, Mike. Let me help you out for a second. Zach Wilson, and I think it was his, either the last time he started or the start before that, he got the, he released the ball, and I think it was, Joe Leo, help me out, 2.3, 2.4 seconds? Something like that, 2.4, 2.5. Mike, that's the fastest in his career. You don't yeah. have – thanks for the phone call, Mike. You don't have three, four, five seconds in the National Football League to sit and hold the ball. His issue has been a lack of ability to process what he sees quickly right. and get rid of the football. And listen, it's a tough thing. I'm not, I'm not saying I could do it, but here's what I know. And I talk about this all the time. As a quarterback, you, you, you do what you have control of. He has control to improve that. Look what Jalen Hurts did over one season, Gordon. Mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts, they were afraid for Jalen Hurts to throw the football. He was just running the ball, running the ball, running the ball. Over one season, just before last season when he came in, he looked like a different quarterback. He spent that whole offseason working and throwing and, and, and reading coverages and trying to process stuff faster. He's a different quarterback. He took his team to the Super Bowl. So it can be done. That's what Zach Wilson should be working on. That's what Zach Wilson can control. That's what you do, Gordon, on your, on your own 
mm-hmm. in the offseason when you have to improve yourself. Yeah, coaches give you stuff to do and everything like that. Yes. But you know yourself what you – nobody knows what he feels when he's behind that pocket but him. He doesn't tell people everything. Nobody knows. He knows he can't see the field. He knows. So what do you do? Okay, I got to go ask some people. You're, you know Steve Young. Steve, what can I do to process stuff faster? What can I do? What are the things to do? And he hasn't done that. You know how I know he hasn't done it? Because he hasn't improved. It's been Simple the same that. thing. It's been the same thing since since the first the first year. It looks exactly the same. Outside, I will say outside of that Kansas City game. Yes. That Kansas City, I, I don't know if, the, if it was a, a voodoo spell or a, a witchcraft of some kind. I, I'm not sure. Out of body experience. Uh, maybe. <laughs> may, maybe he switched body. Maybe Joe Namath, his body got switched with Joe Namath's body. Or, I don't know. But something weird happened that night and has never happened again. He, 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 he summoned his inner Aaron Rodgers. Right. And here's, here's the beautiful thing about mm-hmm. the Zach Wilson. Well, you know, he needs this. He needs that. The Jets have so many issues, he's really not among them. It's over for him. Now, they might start him again, but it's over. He's not going to be here after this year. Nope. He don't want to be here. They don't want him here. He's going to be gone. So he's not – they got enough issues to figure out for the future, and Zach Wilson ain't among them. You know he's going to be your number three quarterback next season. I'll be – I'll be – I'll be – Look at that smile on your face. <laughs> I can't wait for Mike face. White to get in that game in a couple of weeks, Larry. Oh, oh my God. I can't wait. 1-800-919-3776. Let us take one. Richard's in Manhattan. Richard, talk to us. Larry Gordon, how did the Jets and Giants not put a dome on that stadium? You have 17 games a year. Dollars. It cost a billion. It basically cost a billion dollars to put a, a eighty thousand people, maybe four or five times a year. That's four hundred thousand people you're putting in the rain. Yeah, but it's a Does billion that make dollars. Sense? But they show up anyway, that, whether it's in the rain or not. They show up. But you would make more money on concessions not, not, than not to make up a billion dollars. You wouldn't. I don't <laughs> billion think so. Dollars? Ten, fifteen years. Ten, fifteen years worth. Are you kidding me? You have seventeen <laughs> games. Yeah, I don't know how much they're games. charging for sodas over at MetLife, but. It, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be extensive. A billion dollars? If they b- built this, the dome while they were building the Look, stadium, it's a terrible it might have been stadium. less. It's anyway. a boring stadium has no life or whatnot. But the, the anyway, idea I don't see how you put a dome over it. It, it costs like a billion dollars. Seventeen games is played there. Four or five a year are going to be in the rain. It makes okay. no sense. All right, listen. You guys should be happy at the settings for the for college football. You have a potential Texas Alabama final. Do you know what that means? No, it wasn't me, Richard. Well, I have no idea. I'm surprised you guys, as, as, as members of ESPN's crew, you'll have Joe Namath talking about it because the last time Texas played Alabama in a national championship game, Joe Namath quarterback, 1965 Orange Bowl. Texas beat him. And as a matter of fact, if you remember the year before, Texas beat a pretty good quarterback also. Do you remember who that quarterback was? I do not Cotton remember. Bowl. Oh, he was pretty remember. good, too. Probably better than Joe. A guy named Roger Starback oh, at Navy. Yeah. Roger okay, fellas, I got another thing for you guys. Okay, go ahead. A couple of things. I'll be fast. Please. New England is 2-10. and ten. <laughs> Philadelphia is 10-2. and two. Mm-hmm. Do you know that New England has given up 34 points less than Philadelphia? Yeah. No That's offense. unbelievable. It is. 2-10, yeah. well, 10-2. All right, yeah, I got one I mean, more. 
That's the thing about New, I mean, New England's defense is not the. It's crazy to me. Like we it's always not. hear about, well, the Jets. You have to feel bad for their offense. I don't hear anybody feeling bad for the Patriots' defense. The Patriots' oh. defense goes out and balls out every single week, and they can't get a win. They got they got rings. Nobody feels sorry for them. No, no. As a matter of fact, with their head coach, I'm, I hate to say this as a member of the media, I'm enjoying this. I'm oh enjoying no, it. it's enjoyable. But oh, it, what, I mean, couldn't you? Uh, like, it's crazy that it's like assumed at this point that this will be Bill Belichick's final season in New England, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's going to either be someplace else. He's not going to be back. Could you imagine an offseason where Bill Belichick gets fired? Yeah. But the Jets bring back Robert Sala. Everybody. Bring back everybody. Roll it back. What, yeah. what could possibly go wrong? This might be the only time. But you know what? I'll say this, Gordon. Belichick will find a way to mess with the Jets anyway. Yeah, that even last though, game, it's though, sitting there, Larry. It's like a movie. It's sitting right there. It's <laughs> ominous. It's like a red hair. It's it's There's right there. You know, you know it. Whatever's you know, the most painful thing for the Jets, they will, will win that, that. He will win that last game. I'm telling you, Gordon, he's going to find a way. They will score no, something. I think it's more painful for the Jets if, he, if, if Belichick loses. He finally loses the Jets, and it drops them from the third pick to the eighth pick. Yeah. And it's one final... Yeah. Screw you to the to the New York Jets. Boy, that guy can hold a grudge, huh? It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, you talk about, I mean, Kay says he has a, a laminated list. God, he's got a laminated <laughs> memory. <laughs> it, it's gold engraved. He carries it in his breast pocket. It's he has it tattooed on his skin. Oh, he is very hateful. Wow. More of your calls next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Let's get in some more calls before Frank Isola joins us at the bottom of the hour. Let's do it. John's in Florida. What's up, John? Yeah, uh, I'd like to get your guys' opinion on what Chris Canny said today, that these losses at this point of the season, every loss is a win because uh, the, uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers will be training uh, a top pick uh, quarterback that they'll be able to get uh, if they just keep losing like this. They know exactly what they're doing right now. Do you agree with that? <laughs> Let's slow down on they know exactly what they're doing. They're going back to Zach Wilson for the seventh time. I, I don't know that there's some master plan that they're drawing up behind the scenes. to. Yeah, you're right. Thanks for they're the not call, taking John. a quarterback. I, and see, that's the thing. I think they should. Gordon, they probably won't. They're no, going to take a lineman. You can book or they go trade down. Go- yeah, they might trade down, but they're going to take it off. They have to. Mm-hmm. They have Again. to take a lineman. Okay. Have to book it, lock it in stone, Larry. They are taking the top offensive lineman on the board when they pick. They missed out on one last year. Can't let it happen again. You know who's going to take that lineman again? Belichick's going to move (laughs) now. He's doing it again. Like I don't know. I don't know enough. I I looked at a lot of mock drafts, and I know there's a lot of names about quarterbacks that are coming out this year. It Mm -hmm. doesn't seem like it's going to be the type of draft where it's like three or four of them off the right off the bat. It seems like it's going to be. Williams and Drake May, and then uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., mm-hmm. maybe one of the offensive linemen there, maybe a pass rusher. So when the Jets select, like, to me, if they're picking eight or they're picking four, I don't think that's going to change what they're looking at. Okay. They should get the lineman. Now, listen, I understand that that is the priority well, for well, them. Well, here's the thing. Should they draft a quarterback? Yes. That's a, another reason why they won't do it. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, Dave's in Queens. What's up, Dave? Hi, thanks. 
Guys, thanks. Um, you know, I was just listening to Salah's press conference and um, like the whole thing, and then I just want to say the part about him calling, um, him, talking about Boyle, Timmy, and everything. Timmy did some good things and everything. Like you know, yeah, calling him Timmy. It's like, like I know coaches that destroy quarterbacks. Like this guy's calling him Timmy, like endearingly. But the thing is, my question about Boyle is, since he's a Rogers guy. Are they fearful of, like, knocking him, A, and B, are they fearful of ever cutting him, um, B? And then, if C, is there a possibility he's a backup because he's such a Roger guy, such a Rogers guy? I mean, is Boyle, does Boyle have a future because he's linked with Rogers? Like, they won't, don't want to offend Rogers to the supreme being of keeping Boyle around and calling him Timmy in press conferences and saying he does good things, you know? Hi, right, Dave. Thanks for the phone call. Listen, they said Zach did good things too. So that's right. just the. That's I think that's just the, the way coaching line. is nowadays. Yeah. Like you'll mm-hmm. hear the same things in baseball. Like there's a much softer approach. You don't Big criticize them. But Tim Boyle, I think, is only here because of Aaron Rodgers. It's not I don't even a question. Think that that's a reach at all. Yeah. Now, if they have to do three quarterbacks, he may not be here next year. No, he can't be here next year. He can't be here next you, year. You can't get rid of him right now. You don't have anybody now. No. And you can't get anybody, anybody now. <laughs> really? Uh, Dave's in the car. What's up, Dave? Hey, Larry Gordon. Hey, Gordon. Yeah, you know, I was like, man, let me call just to, you know, remind him once again about those uh, receipts. You know, those, you know, those I, ha- receipts, I right? have them. I have them here somewhere, Dave. Hold on. Yeah, man. And remember, did you give me I, one of them, one Dave? What was your um, receipt, Dave? I do not I have a Dave on the about list. Your team, the Miami Dolphins. Remember? Yeah. I, I do not have a Dave on the list. Be, I said that they were going to win the division. Okay. It, well, they haven't won it yet. Like they haven't clinched yet, Dave, so hang in there. Oh, don't, don't be counting your chickens before the hatch, Dave. Come on. Dave. Well, I mean. I'm you know the last rival. time that they finished with 12 wins there, was 1990. Really? 1990 wow. is the last time they had 12 wins. So they do. They are due. They have three winnable games, but they end the season – it, the Ravens, it's the Bills, and it's the Cowboys. Okay, well, it's gonna be tough. That's the final three games of the season. It's gonna be tough. That's a tough. It's gonna be tough. And, but, but I will say this before we get to Isola. I will say this, Gordon. Mm-hmm. That will help you get rid of this situation where you've had issues above five hundred teams. Because I don't well, see you, you losing be, all three of those. You better, you better, yeah, you better win one of them. You're not gonna lose at all least three. one of them. You're not gonna lose all three. Ravens might be tough. Ravens might be tough. They might be. It's, I always feel like the Ravens are peaking now. They always and do. And then they get hurt. They get banged up. They have injuries, all that type of stuff. Yep, this is the time they always do. They always do. For those of you who want to hold on, hang in there. Gordon and I need to take a jet timeout. We're going to talk some basketball with Frank Isola. That's next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Going, we're going to bring in Frank Isola. I mean, the list is endless what he's on. You know he does the starting lineup with Brian Scalabrini on Sirius uh, NBA Radio. Does that. He fills in around the horn. He's in the Yes studios. And I will say this. When I was covering the Knicks, Frank Isola knew more, more soccer than he does basketball. Huge on the soccer. <laughs> Great soccer guy. He knows so much soccer. As a matter of fact, I'm going to ask him if there's any truth to the rumor that this NBA Cup is really his idea with Adam Silver. Frank, I saw Larry Hardenstein, Gordon Damer. How are you, my friend? Boys, what's up? How are both of you doing? Long time. No speak. I like the NBA in-season tournament. I like, I like the concept. 
it is definitely stolen, like parts of it, from like these tournaments that they have inside. I, I like the idea from the league. It, what do you think they can change to make it even better, Frank? Well, you know, it's weird because, uh, you know, if if you had 32 teams, which you're eventually going to have, then you could have the four groups of four. And really what you should do, you should play everybody home and away. That's mm-hmm. really the way it should be done. So this way you're not, um, you know, you play two home games, two road games. So, like, for example, the Knicks had to go on the road to play in Milwaukee. Maybe that would have been different when they played their first group, uh, pool play game, if that had been at Madison Square Garden. That, that's the real way to do it, is to play everybody twice, home and away. And I would also do where everyone's playing on the same day. Because remember, you think about Orlando. Orlando wasn't playing on the final night that Boston and Brooklyn were both playing. So Boston and Brooklyn both had an idea of, first they had to win, but they knew how many points they needed to win by. Uh-huh. In a weird way, that was a little unfair to Orlando. And sure enough, Boston ran up the score against Chicago in order to have the point differential, and that's why they advanced over the Orlando Magic. Interesting. All right, one more, Gordon, before yeah. before I sure. let me jump on this with him. Uh, Frank, is this a way for the NBA to test about eventually getting a team to play in Vegas? Uh, well, that that's definitely going to happen. I mean, if you, you think about Las Vegas has been the NBA's home away from home long before these other sports got mm-hmm. there. I mean, you know, the, the summer league was there for the longest time. USA Basketball eventually set up camp there. They had the, um, you know, obviously the All-Star game. How many years ago? That's 16 years ago maybe now already. But then the WNBA moved in and the hockey moved in. The Raiders have moved in. The A's are going to move in. Everyone has a team in Vegas except for except for the NBA. But they'll eventually have one there. And, the, you know, the, the longstanding rumor is that LeBron James would likely be would likely be a part of the ownership group. I even heard that if they get a basketball team, they're actually going to build a separate arena just for the basketball. So you know, there's arenas everywhere in uh, in uh, in Las Vegas now, and all kinds of venues where you have sporting events. But I think they're actually going to once they get an NBA team, I think they're going to build a, another building, basically basketball specific. Frank, what do you think, like, with the Knicks being in it here, what do you think that it would mean to to have a deep run into this thing for like the Knicks? Team brass ownership, the front office. What, what do you think it would mean to them? I think it's good because you know you're playing you know high pressure games. Obviously, the players are being motivated by the money. And you think about guys at the end of the bench. If you win five hundred thousand dollars, it, it's a big deal. But I always think it's good to play uh, you know competitive games, especially in this kind of format, single elimination. And remember, the game tomorrow is going to count as a regular season game. So, in the, you know, late in the season, that could mean the difference maybe between finishing third, fourth, or fifth and getting home court advantage, whatever the case may be. I, I think it's a good thing. I mean, you know, the Knicks, they haven't been to the NBA Finals since 99. So if you think about the teams that are in it, you know, Indiana hasn't been to the Finals since 2000. We know all about the Pelicans and um, the Sacramento teams who never do anything. So for those teams, if they were to win something, it's, it's a nice thing to have. Now, I'm sure it's going to get mocked by some people the first time you win it, but if you're going to start a tradition, it has to begin somewhere. And maybe 10, 20, 30 years down the road, it might be something where teams want to do, you know, have the trifecta. You win the in-season tournament, you finish with the best record in the NBA, and then obviously you try to win an NBA championship. I would think that the league will never admit it, but you, you have to think the fact that the Celtics and the Lakers are both there, and it doesn't mean they're both going to get even to Vegas, doesn't mean they'll both get to the final. But if they were, it might not be the worst thing for the NBA 
to have the two organizations that have won the most titles mm. to make it to the final. Yeah, that's a good point. Frank Isola is our guest. All right, Frank, what's the ceiling for this Nick team, uh, the way they're constituted? This, you know, I'm not thinking that they may make a move or anything like that at the trade deadline. If this team stays the way it is, what's the ceiling? And as they go in, two-part question, as they go into the finals and in in, go into the postseason, rather not the finals, the postseason, is that lack of size up front going to hurt them down the line? I mean, it could. And I think if you look at the way that Philadelphia's played, um, you know, now that Harden's out on the team and Tyrus Maxey played really well. And I actually like this version of Joel Embiid more than I did the, the, the Joel Embiid that won the MVP. You know, he's had a couple of games. You know, he's had a triple-double this year. The game against Brooklyn two weeks ago, he was one assist shy of a triple-double by the end of the third quarter. He didn't even play the fourth. So he's, you know, he's a beast in size. So your point about size, and then you look at the Boston Celtics, and Celtics are like an old-school NBA team. They're massive, you know. You know, then Drew Holiday could basically guard, you know, four positions on the court. But the Knicks are certainly good enough to make a conference final. I mean, you look at what they did last year. Now, they were Jalen Brunson three away from forcing a game seven against the Miami Heat. So, you know, they would have been playing, you know, for to advance on, on their home court. So, you know, the, the team certainly has flaws. And the biggest problem when you, when you talk about their ceiling is Julius Randle has to play better in the playoffs when, they, you know, if and when – they get there, and he's still on the team, which I'm expecting he will still be on the team. But he needs to be to play better in the playoffs. Last year was Jalen Brunson carrying him, and Jalen wasn't exactly 100%, but he certainly was playing like he was 100%. Frank, how do you think the quickly thing plays out? Yeah, that's, that's going to be an interesting one. He's done, he's done really well for himself. You know, I don't, I don't think they're going to move him uh, during the season. And there's still a chance that, that he could be back in, in some capacity. I mean, the guy's a talented player. You know, the one thing you do like about him, and certainly Mitchell Robinson, if you talk to people around the league, they're both really impressed with how both of them have improved. So, you know, you've got to give, A, a lot of credit to the player if we're willing to put the work in, but it says also a lot about that coaching staff, you know, to kind of work with these guys and make them better. But I, 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 th- I think, I still think he'll be with the Knicks for a while. All right, Frank, let me ask you to look in your crystal ball. And I'm not calling for anybody's firing. I'm just curious. Tom Thibodeau, what do they do? They don't want him to go into next year as a lame duck. Do they extend him? What, what do you think they do at the end of the year? Uh, it's kind of strange that they haven't done that yet. I mean, you know, you think about the 20 years before Tom showed up. I mean, it's only one, one playoff series. They've now been to the playoffs twice in the three years that he's been there. You know, uh, Julius Randle was never an all-star. He shows up in New York. He's an all-star twice. He got MVP votes. He's been all NBA. You know, Jalen Brunson, look at his scoring average, where it jumped from playing with uh, Dallas to where he was on the Knicks. I, I, I don't really get it. I mean, I think, I mean, I know the fans tend to get critical of Tom Lott. I kind of think that that kind of comes with the territory of coaching the Knicks. I mean, Tom sometimes gets more criticized than Monty Williams. I mean, how many games in a row have the Detroit lost? And they gave, and they gave Monty $85 million to coach the team. I like Monty Williams. But, you know, I, I think Tom has done a good job. I just think the Knicks, you know, there are certain teams that get more scrutinized, really probably from the fan base and the media than other teams. You know, the, you know, the Dallas Cowboys are like that. But I think the Knicks certainly fall under that, under that category as well. You know, you talk about offense, they were top, you know, they were one of the best offensive teams in the league last year, one of the better offensive teams. And, and here's the biggest, to me, here's the biggest thing about the Knicks. So if you look at the teams that finished ahead of them, the three of the teams that finished ahead of them, 
you have Miami tried to get Damian Lillard. Milwaukee, which finished with the best record in the NBA last year, they went on and got Damian Lillard. Boston, which I think had the best talent in the league, made it to a game seven of the conference final. They went out and made moves. They got Chris Kapps, Przingis, and then they, and then they end up getting Drew Holiday. So why is it the teams that finished better than the Knicks did last season, but, you know, last season overall, they're willing to make like big bold moves. At some point, that's what the Knicks have to do. I mean, to keep pinning it on the coach seems a little unfair. I mean, in fact, that's one of the that's one of the moves that the front office made that they should be proud of. Yeah, Frank, what's the appetite for, uh, look, not even the superstar, because I think if that guy became available, they'd be in on it. But like a lot of these assets that they've acquired here since uh, Leon got here, they're starting to kind of expire. A couple of the draft picks this year, they have the Fournier contract that goes away after this year as well. What do you think their appetite is to maybe not the, the monumental move, but a sizable move for a big piece? Yeah, and certainly, you know, it takes two to tango. So number one, you have to, you know, there has to be that player has to become available, and also the team has to want, you know, to want to trade in there. And let's face it, look at what Portland did with Damian Lillard. Lillard wanted to go to Miami, but I give Portland credit. Portland sat back and said, "We're going to make the best deal for us." So yeah, like there are some players that can kind of manipulate it and kind of, you know, finagle where they want to go, and sometimes it works out. Not all the time it works out. And then if you think about a guy like Carl Anthony Towns, who kind of has been linked to the Knicks for a number of reasons. Obviously, Leon Rhodes used to be his agent. Uh, you know, the coaching staff is familiar with him from having coached him in Minnesota. He's a, you know he's a local guy in theory, but you know Minnesota's playing really well this year. So Minnesota's been waiting a long time to have a year like this. Now all of a sudden in February they're going to trade Carl Anthony Towns. It, it seems unlikely that something like that would happen. But I but but to your point. You know, at some at some time, you have to make a move here, and try and try to do something to to improve the team. And again, the, you know, teams like Milwaukee, Boston, and Miami, who had these great seasons, they were all trying to do something. Miami failed in doing it, but they you know they were close to getting Lillard. But look at Boston. Boston was tremendous last year. They actually got better. They got Chris Evans, and uh, and Drew Holiday now. Yeah, they they they've done a nice job. They really have. Frank, I'm going to move you to the Nets for a quick second. Um, I got to tell you, I'm a little surprised at how good they've been. When you look at this roster and, and you know, give Sean Marks credit, but for the last moment that he had to get rid of folks, he got some decent pieces back in return. Mikel Bridges and, you know, obviously Cam Johnson. Uh, give me your thoughts on the Nets and can Cam Thomas take that next step and be that prolific scorer consistently that he's been so far? Yeah, you know, they had a really tough schedule at the beginning of the season. They've already played Boston twice. They played Miami twice. They played Milwaukee. They played Philadelphia. So it, it hasn't been that easy to schedule. But they've done a pretty good job. You know, the whole Ben Simmons thing, it kind of has played out like we thought it would. You know, he was really active on social media before the season. Now the season starts and you don't see him playing. That's why, you know, I, I can't deal with watching guys working out on Instagram. It's like you have 82 ga- you'll have 82 games to prove what great shape you're in and you know how well you're going to play. I don't get I don't get that whole offseason thing. That's not only Ben Simmons, a lot of players do it. But, you know, you just wonder about them in a big moment because it happened last year against Philadelphia in the playoffs. You know, it, when it gets late in the fourth quarter, who's going to be that guy? Not necessarily that has to take every single shot, but you need kind of a guy that could be a playmaker there. And you hope that it could be, Mikel Bridges. I mean, Cam Thomas has improved a lot. I give him a lot of credit. I mean, he just used to shoot the ball every time 
he got it, but he's become more of a playmaker. They're a fun team to watch because they share the ball and they play hard, and they've had a lot of injuries. Guys have kind of been in and out a lot. The only the only consistent one is Miles Bridges, I mean, Mikel Bridges, who never misses a game. But, you know, the, the team, you know, they play with a lot of energy. I actually think Jock Pond, to your point, I actually think he's done a pretty good job thus far. Uh, speaking to Simmons, I saw there was a report he's going to be out at least another couple of weeks. I mean, what is their expectation? I mean, do they are they relying on him at any point this this season to to come back and and be something of value? You know, when they when when he first got injured and they said he was going to be out for a while, I said on the Yes Network, at this point, how can you operate any other way than he's probably not going to be back? Like you, you can't be thinking, oh no, we'll get him in a month from now, we'll get him two months from now. I mean, this has been going on for the two seasons since he's been on the team. I'm not knocking him if he has a legitimate back injury, that that's what it is. But you just can't rely on him. And there's no way that Jock Vaughn goes into film sessions and the practice thinking, oh, just wait until Ben Simmons gets back. There's no way he could think like that. Because, you know, if this is, it's been going on too long, it's a shame because the guy had a lot of ability. I mean, the guy was a rookie of the year in this league. He was an all-NBA player, all-defensive player and you know he's he's fallen off and injuries have certainly had a lot to do with it and you, you thought that maybe this was going to be the year that he turned it around but i don't you know i don't know if he's going to play this year when, when he's going to come back i mean it's impossible to predict because you know just look at his recent history last one frank uh does harden finally help the clippers or does he kill the clippers like he's hurt other teams previously? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know it's sometimes tough to watch him play. I mean, you watch Philadelphia now. They're, they're like when all their guys are healthy. That's a fun team. I mean, Tyrus Maxey is so good. He's so darn quick. He actually plays with a smile on his face. The guy, you know, he plays with so much joy. But I'll say this about Harden. And I had heard when they made the trade, I heard that Westbrook was going to go to the bench. That whole thing about you know, like Russell Westbrook suggested it. That that's all. I'm, I'm not buying that for a minute. I actually thought that Harden coming off the bench might, might have been the way to go because, you know, when he played in Brooklyn, he actually liked, whether it was with, um, you know, he didn't play that much with Durant and Kyrie, but he played individually with both of them. He kind of liked playing with the backups because then he could kind of do his thing. So, I don't know. I mean, if, if, that, if that team's going to go far, it's going to be because of Kawhi Leonard and could Kawhi Leonard stay healthy. I, you know, I, I just think the NBA is kind of getting away from guys like James Harden, who was just dribbling the life out of the basketball. I don't, I don't know. You know, look at the way he played in the last five minutes of Game Six last year against Boston. He didn't do anything. He was really poor in Game Seven up in Boston. Did not score in the second half. And you've seen this from him. So if they're going to win, Harden is going to be a part of it. They're not going to win because of Harden. They're going to win because Kawhi Leonard is healthy and Paul George is playing really well. Frank, thanks for a couple of minutes, my friend. Be good and, and you know, save some jobs for some other people, man. Give some other people <laughs> Thanks. Right. So good Take talking care, to you guys. Keep up the good work. Thank you, sir. You as well. Frank Isola does a great job with Brian Scalabrini on the, the starting lineup on the Sirius NBA radio. They have some interesting discussions in the morning. Boy, I catch them from time to time. And, of course, you see him on ESPN Family of Networks. And you, mm-hmm. yes, fans, you see him in the studio all the time. He's been around. Gordon, he's been around a long time. Long time. Frank Isola. When we return, we'll take some more of your phone calls and say goodnight. Turn it over to Ty Butler at the top of the hour on 98.7 ESPN.